Hello, everyone. It's John Otterstead, Scarlet Nation podcast. This is the second time you're hearing from us in one week. Last time I was talking to Bobby Darren. This time, Sean Brown, one of our resident recruiting gurus, he's going to have some great insight for us. Sean, how's it going? Thanks for having me again, John. Of course. I just want to throw out a blanket apology to everyone listening. You might hear a little bit of feedback now and again throughout the rest of the podcast. I apologize. We're still working on these technical difficulties. But anyway, Sean, let's jump right in. Can you give me a little overview of how you felt, uh, how you feel Coach Ash has done in the early going? This is the first of two signing days that we're going to experience this year. How is everything trending so far, and what are some of the high points? You know, I thought they... They finished very strong. You know, this was one of the things that myself, uh, Bobby, and, and 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 Brian Fonseca, you know, in the days leading up to signing day, we were kind of like, wow, you know, this, you know, this is one of the first years I can remember in a while where, you know, there's actually some suspense at least for the fans um, on signing day, and there was a there was an inclination that it was going to end positive, positively for Rutgers for the most part. You know, they didn't get the the means kid from North Carolina at receiver. Uh, but, you know, just finishing with, you know, the, the Aaron Young uh, flip, um, you know, obviously solidifying the commitment of, of K-Ron Adams and, you know, the new signees getting the Cooper kid, uh, Baldwin, and also um, getting Isaiah Washington to, to sign this month versus signing in February. That was a, a strong finish on top of, you know, maintaining most of the, the core pieces of, of this recruiting class, which were already in place. It was, you know, for for Rutgers, I think it was it went about as, as good as it could have gone for him um, this past signing day. You know, I thought I feel bad for the people who jumped off the bandwagon at the end of the season. And tell you the truth, I can't really blame people if they decided to shelve their Rutgers football interest for a few months and just recover. But Really, it's been a while since we've had an ending to the recruiting season. Of course, it's not even over yet because there's another recruiting, another signing day in February. But you know, when you just think of like you, all the things you mentioned, flips at the end, uh, a flurry of you know commits right at the end, uh, some top prospects that Rutgers fans were excited about staying or joining late. Um, you know, Chris Ash, which who hasn't been that exciting on the recruiting trail thus far, I think he really showed me something. Don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, a lot, I know a lot of the fans blamed him for, for being stubborn. You know, I, I don't want to say specific names on the board, but, you know, um, for him not to, you know, go into Florida heavier and, and things of that nature in, in, in the past recruiting classes. But maybe, maybe a lot of it was out of need, um, you know, for Rutgers. But you know, this is the first time I can remember seeing Coach Ash down there, you know, visiting, you know, recruits in Florida, you know, getting face time with the coaching staffs down there since he's been the head guy at Rutgers. And obviously that there was some, some leniency in, in the rules um, for admissions for the junior colleges so that allowed Rutgers to be really active there and, and get two guys that, you know, you know, for their hope to contribute right away. So they, you know, he found ways to, to work the system, to expand the recruiting base and, and they benefited between bringing in two guys from Florida and then and thus far, uh, two junior college players as well in this signing day. Actually, three, excuse that's, me. That, yeah, that's something that Bobby and I have been talking about. Just the, you know, when you're recruiting to Rutgers, well, if you are a big-name coach, so if Rutgers had an Urban Meyer or someone of that stature, they could go flat out and recruit the state of New Jersey. But that's not happening with Chris Ash. And something that has been impressive to me is just that kind of the wide net that he's been willing to cast. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of those, but you know, when you think about it, 
He recruited the state of New Jersey. He recruited outside the state, in particular Florida, too, which is something that fans have been asking for on the message board for a while. He looks outside the country. Yeah, he looks at the junior college transfers, the regular transfers, the grad transfers, and puts together a class that, as of right now, is filling needs that the team has. And I, I like the strategy. I think you have to find the talent wherever you can find it. If you can't find it right outside your front door, you have to go where it is. No, definitely. I mean, you know, it's Rutgers is a job where you you take it and you know you you take the job and it's it's you know you go back to a lot of the interviews when when Chris Ash got hired and they reference you know him talking to his old boss former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer and say hey if he had to choose between Syracuse and Rutgers which job would he take you take the Rutgers job because there's all that talent in your backyard but obviously you see it with Ash and previous coaches it can be difficult to, to get the top guys in state so it's it's a no brainer to take the Rutgers job for that reason if you can recruit it well but. Obviously, there's been some issues getting the top guys that they, they thought could compete on a Big Ten level locally. So they, they had to expand the base. Um, obviously, a lot of staff uh, has Midwestern ties. You know, some of the recent hires, um, defensive line coach Corey Brown, who spent a lot of time in the Midwest uh, and in, you know, in Texas as well. Um, and then I think Noah Joseph, especially helping uh, down in, in Florida in this recruiting class, um, you know, were, you know, two of the big impacts in helping to expand that base uh, for this 2019 class. When you look at that recruiting staff there, what do you see as the strengths? Uh, uh, we've t- discussed the weaknesses, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit more. But you know, where what are the strengths of this staff, and maybe who are some of those hidden gems among the assistants? You know, I, I think if, if anything, there may not. I mean, we all, you know, you and I, and you know, everyone always references uh, that that staff that Shiano had with you know PJ Fleck, Jeff Halfley, uh, Brian Angelique, on those guys, and you know. Probably from a, a whole, you know, since you've probably been covering on the internet, maybe the best staff that Rutgers had from a recruiting perspective. Um, I don't Definitely. know if there's anyone like those guys that could just go in, you know, sell water to a well at, at that level on this staff. But, you know, there's some, it, I think the one thing that they're learning from the top, starting with Coach Ash and filtering on down, is just being relentless uh, and working hard and outworking some of the competitors on the recruiting trail. Because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the kids, it's, you know, you're you're told to go, you know, where you love, where you love the most. Um, so what I thought Rutgers did extremely well in the staff was leveling up a lot of guys. Um, obviously, you saw that uh, offensive line coach A.J. Blazek was getting a lot of frequent flyer miles um, flying across the country, you know, visiting local JUCOs, you know, visiting out west, obviously get Amari Cooper, uh, who was out in California, um, you know, obviously well-liked guy, a lot of energy. And I think that carried over and helping to bring in the commitment of Cooper and, Although he wasn't in Europe, you know, going to see um, the uh, Swedish O-lineman as well, Anton Oscarson as well, and bringing him into the fold. Um, I mentioned Noah Joseph as well, bringing him over from Indiana, you know, really close with Chris Ash, best man at his wedding. Uh, and he's a guy that has coached down in Texas. So although they didn't bring anyone in from Texas, they did have some, some new offers down in the Dallas region. Um, and they had the billboards down there as well. And then his Florida ties, um, you know, he brought a lot of guys from Indiana, from the state of Florida, especially South Florida. So he was able to go in there, um, you know, the now departed Corey Robinson, uh, bringing back Henry Baker, who has some Florida ties as well. But they were able to go down to Florida, you know, and get some guys that can maybe have an impact right away. Um, a lot of people don't reference this coach because he's, you know, maybe the elder statement of the staff. But uh, uh, Vince Okru, uh, tight ends coach, special team coordinator. You know, every 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 time you look, you know, when they sign these staffs, he's always got a couple of guys that 
you know, were considered the higher tier recruits in the class. Um, look at Karon Adams. Uh, that's the part of Ohio that O'Crew handles, and he was the first one to really identify him and you know help uh, get that commitment and, and to help maintain that commitment. Uh, Zaduco from Massachusetts. That's a guy he handles in New England. Another you know highly recruited guy that they evaluated early and, and were able to bring into the fold. Uh, and then you know uh, going back to Blazers, obviously C.J. Hansen, um, wide receiver coach Lester Herb. There you know talking to some people uh, just around the industry, some coaches I know. They spoke highly of the work Herb did at Iowa, you know, going into, you know, the urban area of Chicago and getting prospects out of there. Uh, and locally, it had been kind of touch and go with some receivers, but obviously he had a hand in helping to solidify the Isaiah Washington commitment. Uh, and then locally, a guy on Muhammad Ture from Pleasantville, that's Herb's part of New Jersey. Um, so he went down there and got that commitment uh, and helped Rutgers, uh, you know, fend off Wisconsin, you know, Ture took official visit there, you know, thought about it and then just didn't seem too interested uh, in, in attending school there. So, you know, those those are guys that definitely stand out um, from the, the main coach staff and Nunzio Campanile as well. Uh, obviously, he's getting his feet wet into the, the college coaching recruiting perspective there. You know, there is a little bit of recruiting depending on who you talk to uh, for those, those private high schools in New Jersey. But he obviously had a hand in, in maintaining that Cameron Adams commitment uh, and also uh, Aaron Young helping to flip him. Obviously. You had Avery on, on, on the team, which helped out quite a bit. But I know Nunzio was getting down to Coatesville quite a bit as well, maintaining contact with, with Aaron and, and helping to bring that commitment in as well. So it's, you know, there may not be a guy who's the elite of elite in, in the country on the staff, but, you know, a lot of guys that, that did their part and that, you know, put the work and then maintain those contacts uh, with the recruits to, to help bring them in. Speaking of Nunzio Campanile, there's a lot of Campanile brothers out there. Uh, including Anthony up there at Boston College, co-defensive coordinator, doing a great job up there. Had previously done a great job at Rutgers. Rutgers fans have been talking recently about perhaps bringing him back down to Piscataway, reunite with his brother, and possibly lead that Rutgers defense. What do you think about that possibility? You know, it it seems like if if it's going to happen, this year would probably be the perfect time because – you know, there was a lot of um, noise about uh, the current Boston College head coach, Steve Adazio, and his job status. And he got a, he got an extension uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it it seemed like one of those, those extensions where it was more sort of help recruiting versus actually being a long-term extension. I think it was only uh, two years added on to his contract. Um, so, there, you know, there's some, you know, something to be worried about there. Boston College, Ben, who you talked to uh, with the staff there. You know, Anthony is, you know, obviously a well-regarded coach in, in New Jersey uh, and even New York as a whole for his recruiting efforts. And he's a co-defensive coordinator at Boston College right now. But there's been rumors that their current D.C. is going to retire. Um, they just had their bowl game canceled today. I haven't seen anything about that being the case with Jim Reed retiring. But, you know, the common sense would be that they would promote Anthony. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Anthony's a guy, you know, we're the same age. Uh, we know a lot of the same people from uh, northern New Jersey. And, you know, I, I used to hear stories, funny story real quick about when Anthony was at Rutgers, you know, some of his teammates on the football team, they would be in class and Anthony would be, you know, scribbling notes on like, hey, this is how you beat this defense. This is how you beat this offense. Uh, he's a guy that has progressed to, to be someone that's going to, you know, eventually be a defensive coordinator at Power Five. And then, you know, I think he could be a head coach, you know, when the time is right. You know, so I, there's always been a toe in the water and want to get back home. You know, he's a guy that probably could have, you know, coach across the country if he wanted to but he never pursued anything like that because he wanted to stay close to home 
And that's why he took the job at Rutgers and then Boston College. So I, I think that the time is now. It seems like there's going to be some shakeups in the Rutgers staff. And, you know, maybe there's going to be a new defensive coordinator. And, you know, I think Anthony is ready for that jump. So I, I think, you know, there's a possibility of something happening. Now, jumping back down to the ScarletNation.com message board, there's a user by the name of The German Dude. And he wanted to ask about just the New Jersey flavor among the support staff on the Rutgers staff. So obviously that starts with Coach Mance, but in recent years, Chris Ash has been trying to deep dig further into New Jersey, hire some more people with Jersey ties. Um, you know, I know that he's done a nice job bringing on not just assistants, but people within the uh, support staff who can maybe make some stronger ties to the high school teams. Can you talk about that a bit? You know, I, th- I think when you when you look at the you know the, the current signing class, I mean, I, I would see that there there has been some benefit thus far, and then I think in the future, if Rutgers can improve on the field, it would help them out greatly. But, you know, when, when the German dude talks about the hires, you know, there's been some guys there that have you know already had an impact. Uh, a lot of people talk a lot about Matt Hewitt and for good reason. He's um, from a support staff perspective. He's a guy that evaluates a lot of the local New Jersey prospects and, and brings them in front of the main staff. Um, and he's a lot of the main contact with those guys. So Mohamed Ture, um, Donna Williams from Camden, um, Donovan Bunch from Winslow. He's he's the guy that those guys have had first contact with. He's given them an initial, you know, perspective of Rutgers and he passes up the line. Those guys close him out. But, you know, everyone I've talked to uh, in the state, you know, likes Matt a lot. He's well received. So he was part of the initial staff. Uh, but in this offseason, there were a lot of hires that were made uh, for guys that were, you know, known throughout New Jersey that um, would make their faces familiar for coaches that coach throughout the state. That was probably the biggest knock on Chris Ash and, and, you know, when he was hired in previous years that, you know, you, you got guys that have experience coaching football, but they, they don't know the lay of the land in New Jersey. So um, bringing in um, Charles Watkins, uh, Camden native as a uh, GA offensively with the receivers, uh, Julius Scarry, who was OC at Don Bosco, um, helping uh, as a quality control coach on special teams. The other offensive GA, John Weiss, uh, coached at DePaul. He was at Nebraska before he came to Rutgers. Um, you know, Marquise Watson, who who just left uh, to take defensive line coach uh, job at his alma mater, Bryant, uh, was defensive line GA. You know, another guy well known uh, throughout Northern New Jersey. Um, you know, those are some of the guys. Obviously, Nunzio as an assistant coach as well. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone, but, you know, those are the guys that, I you know, I used to see, you know, covering high school coaches. And, you know, you go to the camps and stuff this summer. Uh, and granted, I'm not a high school coach, but these are guys I was familiar with, I interacted with. So it, I can see how the high school coaches would feel more comfortable um, because they know more people that can vouch for Rutgers because they work with these guys and they're going to speak highly of the program. So all those guys had a hand in some perspective. Um, you know, like you said, especially in North Jersey, you may not have seen the results in this class, but if Rutgers can improve, they could put a better product on the field this year. Uh, then I think these hires will pay dividends down the line, but it wasn't immediate for all of them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What is going to take in order for Rutgers to take that next jump in recruiting? I think they're currently sitting at, uh, I think, number 12 in the Big Ten, uh, somewhere in the 60 range nationally. And, you know, from your perspective, is it bringing in some new coaches with some stronger ties? Is it just winning? Is it Coach Ash? doing a better job closing when he has that final opportunity to speak to the top prospects. What do you think it's going to need? You know, obviously Rutgers wants to be in that top half of the big 10 recruiting wise. 
it would be a lot easier for them to win on the field if they could bump up that talent level on the roster. What will it take to get there? I mean, win, winning will help because it, it will show that, you know, they can be competitive um, in the Big Ten and, and just competing better um, versus the competition. Um, you know, they, winning cures all. I'm, I'm a big believer of that. Um, but they can also strengthen uh, the recruiting ties as well and, and maybe bring in some guys and tie some of the gaps that can help sell the vision of, of what Coach Ash is trying to sell at Rutgers. But if, you know, if they put a better product in the field, I, you know, being around the summer, because I'm, Obviously, I focus more on the recruiting perspective, uh, but just being around for the camps and stuff, I, I could feel before the season that there was a sense of confidence that they would put a better product on the field than, than what they showed. And, you know, I wouldn't say it felt looser, but there there was some confidence there. And and, and I think, you know, the, the recruits and the parents and stuff felt that as well. So there was a chance to capitalize on that. But obviously, when you when you go 111, um, a lot of that stuff goes by the wayside, not saying they were going to sign Antonio Alfano and Caden Wallace and certain guys, but I, I thought that they could have had a, a stronger effort locally um, if they they put a better product on the field. You know, so if you know if they perform better next year and, and they show signs of promise and they're way more competitive than they were, um, you know, not just with close scores like they had late in the season, but you know, in the win loss column as well, I, I think that will that will help quite a bit and show you know, all right, you know, if I'm a recruit a 2020 or a 2021. Um, and I'm thinking about Rutgers. I, I know that they're they're improving. There's talent on the roster already, and maybe I can add to that. Versus, you know, these guys aren't competitive at all. Why would I go to that program? Yeah, the further we get away from the Shiano years, the more I respect and I look back fondly on just those early years when the recruits bought into, uh, I guess, you know, the promise of Shiano and his vision over what they saw on the field. Um, I don't see that quite happening with Chris Ash, but I, I think if they see some tangible evidence of the team improving, I think their their recruiting stock is or whatever their recruiting prowess is going to change. I just look no further than my son, who's uh, uh, by no means a Division One football player, but he's a very very good football player uh, at age fourteen. And in his world, you know, it he only knows about the teams that have been top teams for the past two or three years. And you talk about a team that was doing really, really well five years ago or 10 years ago. That's like ancient history to him. And so it just makes me think back to, you know, the kids who were Rutgers is trying to market to right now. 2006 was, you know, how old were they then? They were babies, <laughs> little, little yeah, kids back that's, then. Yes, that's and 12 years last ago. Time Rutgers was in a bowl. Ago. Yeah. And Rutgers has to create its own history again in order to get these kids, especially the top, top kids, to pay attention. But uh, I think, you know, I like what they're doing. I like how things are coming together with this recruiting class. I like how the staff is coming together and may continue to come together. And so I want to end it with one final question, uh, question for you. Um, when you look ahead, you look in your crystal ball to February, what can fans expect to see in terms of just how this class is going to come together and come to a conclusion? You know, I as you see, and obviously there's a lot of discussion about um, graduate transfers and things of that nature, and and some of those guys won't solidify decisions till later in the in the spring uh, after their semesters. But you'll, I think you'll see more activity um, from the graduate transfer, even the, the the junior college market as well. You know, I know there are some guys that Rutgers visited that don't graduate until May, but maybe can sign later. So they'll continue to scour those ranks as well. Um, Right now, it looks like they they want to target another wide receiver recruit. 
so whether it's you know some of the local receivers that are still available, um, Stanley King's a guy that visited officially in December, but decided to wait things out. Um, of Terry's another one of Philadelphia that has been the target for a while. Um, Baylor commitment. Um, and, you know, maybe they'll go back into the, the grad transfer Juco ranks uh, for more immediate help at that position. Um, they, you know, they dabbled at tight end. They looked at some high school guys that that may become more of a, a priority um, when we look at February and uh, at cornerback as well. There's there's a couple of guys. I know one we've talked about quite a bit, Darius Gooden, uh, Gooden uh, from uh, Newark West Side. He's a guy that actually was recruited heavily by um, returning cornerbacks coach Henry Baker. He offered him when he was at North Carolina. And then um, during that last weekend of official visits, Gooden snuck up for unofficial to sit with uh, Coach Ash and, and Coach Baker. Um, he camped at Rutgers. He's a 6'3", 190-pound uh, corner that's run electric 4-5 um, at camp. So, you know, he and he has that size that you can't teach. Uh, so he's a guy that told me um, that he'll fiz- uh, visit officially in January. Um, but they'll look at some other corner-type prospects as well. Uh, maybe bring one of those in as well because they have a safety in TJ Robinson that's signed in this class already. So, uh, and then linemen, uh, if they can find another defensive lineman, um, that's a big priority, whether it's a, a grad transfer or a high school guy, uh, but mainly someone that can help immediately. So junior college ranks as well there. Um, so those seem to be the positions. Um, and then we, we talked about quarterback. Um, obviously, Arsikowski didn't really do much to cement his status going into going into next season. So they've, you know, looked at some other options uh, for quarterbacks. So, you know, whether it's a, a Juco or more likely a graduate transfer to, to push Art and Cole Snyder and the other guys in the quarterback room, uh, I would expect something to rise there. Uh, it may not be February, but I, I would expect seeing another body in that room that can, you know, bring some help in. And this staff, they thrive on competition. Um, so, you know, whether Art is the guy next year, or not, uh, but if it is Art, it's because he he has some competition. He beat out someone. He had to prove it versus you know maybe the competition wasn't as strong when he came in last spring. All right, well, Sean, I thank you so much for joining me. Now, um, as everyone, as you all know, Sean is always on the Scarlet Nation message board on the roundtable there. So if you want to take the conversation a little further, by all means, everyone go on there, ask a question. Bobby Darren will be there too. Brian Fonseca, the rest of the staff. And uh, we just want to thank you for always listening to the Scarlet Nation podcast and for being part of our community. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, and all that great stuff. We'll talk to you soon.